your number one tip for an aspiring writer? Uh, finish things. Welcome to the Lazy Girls Writing Club, a writing club for anyone who loves writing, but also hates writing. This is a space to celebrate, commiserate, and hopefully get inspired because writing is hard. And I think I like this little life. <laughs> little life. <laughs> <laughs> Will it still be relevant by the time this episode goes out? No. We don't know, but... And that's so fine. I feel like it's already not relevant anymore, you know? Yeah. I'm constantly torn between wanting to like this little life and never wanting to see videos about people's no. lives. No. And being like, stop it. Stop yeah. it. <laughs> Reminding me. Lives. Of- yeah. I think I like this massive life. <laughs> I love my huge life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were discussing, and Ellen was saying that every time she's doing something kind of gross, like having to pick up after her beautiful lovely son of a dog um gets the sound from tiktok of how i love being a woman (laughs) i just think if i were to be honest with myself i can't think of any moments in my life that you could put the how i love being a woman and it would actually work like i'm never living that kind of life even when i'm in the bath like i'm in the bubble bath i've got my lavender oil i've got Mm. my book i'm like i'm getting i'm so sweaty like my hair's so stuck to my forehead that there's no like how oh, I love, being, love a woman. being a woman. I look like a swamp thing. I don't look like how oh, I love being a swamp creature. <laughs> I always I have bath so hot I have to have a little lie down afterwards because I'm so red and I'm so close to passing out that I have to like de steam on the bath afterwards. I feel like that's the point of having a bath though. Cause it's like, if I'm going to use all of that hot water, I need to be so boiled and hot that it lasts like for about like an hour or two hours afterwards where I'm like just having to desperately cool down. Yeah, That's when I feel like I've got like my money's worth for a bath. Yeah. I've like, me and my partner have tried to like, share baths before and he has to get in later. He'll be like, you have your 20 minutes. I'll come in later. Cause I make it such a hostile overheated environment that he can't get in. <laughs> so I, I get my 20 minutes just boiling myself. That. And then he comes in after, after I'm like red raw. I'm like, welcome. <laughs> How I love being a woman. Giving a woman. <laughs> That's Coming my little to my life. lobster cave. Yeah. <laughs> I think I like this little this life. Little life. <laughs> As I'm roasting myself. <laughs> What's the same? We were also talking about that. I am my mother's savage daughter. Yes. That was going around, which is like this kind of chanting song. And again, I'm not, I'm not that either. (laughs) It gives me the exact same vibes of we are the daughters of the witches. You couldn't burn like that kind of energy. (laughs) I'm none of those things. Like like I was saying before we started, I'm not my mother's savage daughter. I'm my mother's like grubby little gremlin daughter. Little rotter. Yeah. I'm my mother's little rotter. I'd love a t- Mummy's Little Rotter t-shirt. <laughs> like the ones you put kids in. Oh my God, please get up for hearts around his stuff. Mummy's Little Rotter. He is being a little rotter, actually. I'm trying to picture what I am. <laughs> what I can picture is, I don't know if I've told you, but every year on my birthday, I say that I'm like a little Austrian prince because yes, I feel I so spoiled. <laughs> I'm picturing like, what am I, my mother's little? And I'm picturing myself as like a little page boy yeah. and little outfits yeah, stood in like bloomers. a really big... St- <laughs> Stood in like a really big doorway <laughs> and <laughs> just like looking into the room and then being like, yes, there is our child. And then like the camera pans to that. Mm. That's how I picture myself. Apparently that's my, and my mother's that's my rosy cheeked little prince with his <laughs> yeah. blonde curls. Never big little lollipop. I'm the apple of mother's eye. 
<laughs> I run as me. around the living room like a horse. <laughs> Daddy, game. <laughs> What's that? I'm my mother's that. What's that? Yeah, where's, where's that TikTok trend, please? Yeah. Like, I would like Those to girlies represent. are getting left out and it's, it's not fair. <laughs> so many of us I think I like my extravagant life <laughs> with my wooden horse my stick and hoop <laughs> this is exactly leading into my same delusions that I'm like I just think I would have been doing really well in medieval times like I just think I would be a princess <laughs> or something you, you have to believe that though because no one can prove yeah. otherwise exactly that actually I mean, really leads into obviously we're going to start the episode with a check-in that really mm-hmm. leads to something that we spoke about a little bit that's been coming up a lot for me this week mm-hmm. so this is chapter two of our like main episodes yes. where we check in on what we've been up to writing wise we talk about what's inspired us um we talk about our little homework tasks that we've oh, set dear. for ourselves you love it um but with regards to the check-in obviously neither of us have started writing yet because this is merely the second episode no. we are still plotting and planning i mean i'm always plotting whether it's a book or just we're always plotting. Yeah. We're always, we are plotters <laughs> at heart. Always assume we're plotting. Yeah. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. That's that's always going on in our minds. Neither of us have started writing yet. We're both mm-hmm. plotting and planning. Um, yes. And I'm getting to the point now where I've done a fair bit of research. I'm starting to think about characters and stuff. But I also am just, I'm kind of itching to just start. Yeah. But I feel like the thing that's coming up for me a lot is... Um, obviously once you this sounds this sounds so obvious once you've started it's real and you're actually doing the thing and <laughs> yeah. there's something really comforting about thinking about doing something because like you said like mm. you I'm sorry will never live in Victorian times you'll never find out if you would actually you know <laughs> catch the eye of the most eligible Don't bachelor like but it's comforting to think that and I feel like it's the mm. same thing for this is where I if I don't start, there's no confirmation that this isn't going to be the best book ever written. Like, if yeah. it's just in my head and I'm just thinking about it and I know that I do have moments where I can write good things, then I think this this book could actually be amazing. But then as soon as you start and you start writing words and they're just bad, then it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, reality set in. Oh, it's this like, is the same as the rest of them. Yeah. It's, if you never try, yeah. you, never, you never fail. And I like right that. now... I'm picturing both of us just sat down and we just write it all out. Like mm-hmm. we we just stream of consciousness, lay it all down and it's perfect. Mm-hmm. And we do it so quickly and we finish a book in like six months, you know? And until we start writing, we can, that can be real. Yeah. And, and we swap books real. with each other and we both come back crying and we go, like, you did it. You did it. <laughs> I pick you up and spin you around. <laughs> oh, I love being <laughs> How I love being an author. But um, the reality is like, I know that there's many yeah. a draft to come. And mm-hmm. in by doing the thing, you also have to accept that you might be bad at the thing. And I don't like that. No. I actually don't want to accept no. ever being. I'm, I'm, I was one of those insufferable kids who did well in school. And then as in adulthood was, was just totally average and mm. and now I don't like trying things that I'm not going to inherently be good at because I, that was my whole childhood. So why should I put the effort in? It makes me cross yeah. if I have to try. <laughs> you stamp your feet. But there's a learning curve to this. Oh, no, thank you. Don't. No. The amount of things that we could be doing if we could just accept that we were bad at them. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, there's definitely a worry of having all this. When you have it all in your head and it feels so real, 
but then trying to translate it. I mean, that is mm-hmm. writing, but trying to translate it on the <laughs> yeah. page and going, none of this came out how I pictured it at all. Like I love in my head, I love the characters that I've got planned. Oh, they're like, they're yeah. the best, but can I actually pull any of them off? I don't know. Like, I don't know if you have it. I have like snatches of like visual scenes. Like I very much write, like I'm sure we'll get into it when we start writing. Like I'm watching a movie in my head and mm. then I'm like replaying it on the state, on the stage, on the page. Yeah. So like, I like in my mind, I'm like, yeah, this is a great movie. Like I have little scenes, little moments, mm. but trying to actually translate that and make it good and a full novel. Hmm. Seems like a lot. Yeah. I'm suspicious of that. Like, yeah. it seems hard. I don't know if I want to do it. <laughs> I also just think the, something that we've talked about before, I don't think on the mm. podcast, but in person, is just the idea of writing a first draft that's probably not going to be very good and just having, yeah. putting so much time into something that you have to accept isn't going to be good. It's actually quite hard to, to just be comfortable with that. Dedicating, like, when else in your life do you dedicate, like, a year to doing something that yes will lead to something else but like it's basically like you will have to write it off you know like yeah. quite possibly a lot of writers finish an entire draft and then are just like okay let's start again and, and like as well like we've all done yeah. things where we've worked at it and we haven't gotten to where we want to or we, we don't mm. have an act, whatever it is but knowingly creating the yeah. worst version of the thing you want to make <laughs> is so weird yeah class and just making like a blob being like this isn't this isn't going to be a bowl I'm just doing it for the sake of it. Like, just, no, I want a bowl. Here we go. I I, yeah. This. I need to bring something home to put on my shelf, mm. you know? Like, I want... This is. I think this is it. It's like, the, I just have, like, nothing to show for myself and I hate working really hard and then having nothing to show for it. Yeah. Even if it's, like... Because it's just, it's just a process. Like, it's just... This, the first step in a very long journey. Yeah. Maybe it's like a reframing thing where, because obviously right now, mm. right now we have nothing to show for ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, let's say in a year's time we have a first draft, which would be amazing. Please. We, it's all about reframing it and not being like, oh, I spent a year and I have something bad. It's like, I didn't mm. have anything a year ago and I yeah. spent 29 years not having anything in that regard. Um, so, Cause yeah. That- that is the thing that we keep that as very reason we started this podcast because we were like we were like <laughs> it would be nice to have something mm. like because right now we every year we end we're like oh another year where I, I literally have I do have nothing to show for it yeah I have like snatches of like a few thousand words here and there mm-hmm. and like nothing to show for it I think word count is something that I really like get excited and happy about like it's a nice reward I'm like oh yeah two thousand words I feel so good about that like yeah being able to assign a number to it same as like when you have a to-do list and you physically strike stuff out there's just that yeah. good feeling of like a little little rule and i think that's gonna Tick. translate as we go through the podcast when we start doing these check-ins and we actually have a number to say rather than Ooh. like just yeah i'm still think i'm still thinking on it it's just vibes yeah the book i am come. having thoughts mm. i promise I you spent a month just having non-stop thoughts <laughs> like you don't even know what it's been like in my head so many thoughts my hair's been so empty. <laughs> yeah, I, the last, so, I mean, I guess full transparency, it's been a little mm-hmm. bit over a month since our first episode because Christmas and New Year's and yes. everything. Um, I, I have lost momentum a little bit, um, yeah. especially in the last like week or so. Mm-hmm, same. Which I think is why it'd be fun. So in, in all of these chapter episodes, we set some homework for ourselves and something we definitely want to do in the future, uh, different 
homework little tasks to figure out how to carve out time for ourselves to write when in the day we should do it how long we should do it for all those things um but at the moment I'm completely I'm unregulated I'm I'm a child who needs like discipline yes I'm out I'm (laughs) loose in the supermarket I'm loose in the the snack aisle someone needs to get on the tannoy and say Ellen (laughs) yeah that's what this is your book is missing you and we're worried about you (laughs) that is literally what this podcast is it's someone on a tannoy being like okay I need to hold you accountable now you're running a mock which yeah. is such a good word a mock oh a mock yeah we've been running a mock for yeah. 27 20 however many years we need to be we need the tannoy to tell us to come back mm-hmm. to our parents and our parents are our books yeah i think wow that's so beautiful yeah. <laughs> shed a single tear <laughs> well i guess all this is to say current mm-hmm. word count zero <laughs> Zero. Um, whether Nothing. it will have, whether the needle will have moved from zero by the next check-in, which is in a month, I don't know. Should we go on to our inspiration? Yeah, let's go our inspirations. What have we been? What's been making us feel good this week, as opposed to making hmm. us feel like grubby <laughs> little boys who aren't getting anything done? <laughs> well, actually, no. Saying that, my first one is slightly stressing me out, just because. Obviously, it's good mm-hmm. to read and watch and experience things that get you thinking about your book. Yeah. But when it gets me thinking about it in a way that might be more work for me, I'm like torn between how useful that is. Um, mm. I usually at the start of, so we're like not that far into January at the moment. I like to start out reading like a few short books to sort of start that pile of books that I've read and it kind of gets some momentum for me. That's such a good idea. Mm. I love like a sub 200 page book. It makes me feel so good about myself. That's lovely. My first reader this year was The Country Will Bring Us No Peace, which is, I think it's barely over a hundred pages. And the actual story itself is like, it's very bleak. It's very haunting. It's like, I recommend it. It's really well written. Mm. Um, It's about this couple who move to a house in this remote village. And the village is very like insidery. Everyone knows each other. Um, and from the very first page, you have the feeling that they've moved there because something in their lives has gone wrong or they're escaping mm. something. And that kind of unfolds over the course of the novel. But what I found interesting and something I hadn't even really considered that much is what person I want to write my novel in, whether I want to go first person or third person. Yeah, I feel like my mind, my brain defaults to third person because something about that feels easier but in a lot of ways, maybe less intimate. And if I want my book to essentially be like a, a study of two characters, like my, my two main characters, maybe first person is more the way to go. But th- what this book does is um, writes from the perspective of both people in the couple. So there's a male character called Simon and a female character called Marie, I think. And it alternates, not like 50-50, um, it's kind of sporadic, but it alternates between those two writing in the first person. And I really like it as a style because sometimes sometimes it's two of them doing completely separate things. Sometimes there's a time jump between the two people writing. But sometimes it's both of them, you know, they're in a they're in a bar and someone comes up and speaks to them, and you almost hear about that same thing happening from both perspectives. And it kind of really helps to illustrate how distant they're feeling from one another and how much they mm. they sometimes they do really understand one another and sometimes they don't and like it's not done in a super 
like overt way. It's just subtle things like one one of the two assumes that their partner likes someone more than they actually do. Like I think I, I might be getting this wrong, but I think Marie says something about Simon, like, oh, he probably likes this neighbor of ours more than I do. Like he finds her easier to get on with. And he doesn't. When he when it's from his perspective, he finds her insufferable. And it and it's it just really shows how much if they spoke to each other, they would be able to like bridge the gap that they're sort of feeling between each other, but they're not doing that. So you're just reading both going, oh, just talk to each other. Like I love that. And I really like that as a style. Um, it's it's just like a short, really immaculate book. And I think as given that my idea centers around, well, it doesn't center around, but it does feature one character hiding something quite big from the other that gradually gets revealed. It could be a fun way of, writing it is alternating between the two main characters um one with like growing suspicions one who knows what's happening and isn't sharing it um but it does seem like so much more work like stylistically it just seems so much harder than just writing in the third person and being like so-and-so was feeling like this and blah 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 i felt like this so yeah that like it has inspired me and it's got me thinking which is good but also yeah it would be a lot more work i mean i guess that's the thing with first drafts maybe i write it in third person and then i go back in and i change that completely because it's not vibing i don't know um i'm reading at the moment um i kind of really like that you're doing short books to start with because i'm actually reading quite a big chunky book that i started last year in december and i'm like still going through it i'm actually like oh god like Mm. i'm already so slow like it's already mid-january and haven't finished something um, I'm reading The Lies of Locke Lamora, which is a book I'm really enjoying and I've been meaning to read for ages. And so I'm glad that I'm finally getting through it. And it was a secret Santa present. So I was like, sweet, like I'll just crack it open and read. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anything that I'd got out of the library in ages. So I was like, perfect. It's about um, it's about crime, which is good. Mm, We've nice. got the gentleman bastards who are a group of people including Locke Lamora, our main character. He was like an orphan and he was like brought into this kind of like more like, basically there's lots of like levels of like little crime groups and stuff. And he was brought into a bit more of like an elitist one because he was very good at what he does when Mm. he was like young. Um, And so like they do like big kind of like cons and stuff like that. So like they've been conning this guy out of loads of money and then the kind of different groups they interact with and like they're trying to hide what they do and stuff like that. Like your classic like criminal activity is happening but when I was thinking back on it I think it's why I'm struggling to describe the story it's like it's a it's a classic fantasy one where it's like well I mean it's yeah it's kind of fantasy because it's got like magic and stuff a tiny 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 bit but like Mm. and it's in a random mystical world but it's like a lot is happening but also not a lot is happening like it's kind of slow not in a way that I'm not enjoying but just like because it is such a big novel it can kind of take its time with building up like we've just met this like big scary villain and like there was like tiny hints of like this grey knight or grey grey king grey king that's like been around and like has been like picking off like heads of different crime groups and stuff but like I'm only just getting into it and I think I'm like halfway through the book and so I guess inspiration for me is like I really like it but I'm like I definitely think I prefer for the book I'm writing, something to be like, get into the action quite quickly. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, as you were saying, yeah. that it is quite long. I was like, don't you find sometimes reading books where you can tell what you don't like 
is just as useful mm. as when you can tell what you do like. Yeah, definitely. Again, I think it's because I'm I, I'm noticing it feels long, which because mm. I love reading a long book, and but quite often I don't notice it feels long. Like like I think it, it's chunkier than some of the other books I've got in my little stack of inspiration, but like not that much chunkier. But I'm really feeling it. Like it's not I'm not not enjoying it, but I'm like okay, yeah, it is like you know it's still going and I'm like I'm I'm in it now so I'm kind of excited to see what happens but like I was having a bit of like a oh do I read something else like do I do I move on um so I think when you're doing something with you know the kind of setting this is like crimes and little heists and stuff like that can be very exciting and so when it's not I'm like oh. mm. you say it's called the lies of Locke Lamora. yeah so it's 720 752 pages on the Kindle edition. I was just trying to get okay. a vibe for like how long it is. Cause if it, that's around about the same as Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, which I'm mm. hoping to read. So I guess that's a good yeah. comparison. Cause I know that's a book that you do really which like. Which I love. Yeah. I loved it. That is interesting. Cause Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, again, the the very last section of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell is like big dramatic, loads of crazy stuff happening. Mm. But like, again, it, I, I guess you could say it's slower to start with, but there's always like momentum? good stuff like ticking. Yeah, it's it's got good momentum. Like it's mm. paced really well. Whereas maybe I'm just struggling with Liza Locke Lamora, Locke Lamora and yeah. just pacing and being like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm intrigued to see what happens next. But I'm not like super excited to see what happens next. You know, yeah. like that's- I think that's that, that can be so like, I, I bought Yellow Face in the Waterstones mm. hardback sale. And I'm Ugh. really looking forward to reading it. A lot of reviews that I have come across have said that it sort of overstays its welcome a bit and it makes its point and then keeps going. But I'm really interested to see what that looks like, even if, regardless of whether I agree or not. Um, I'm just really curious as to what making your point, but overstaying your welcome looks like in a book um so it's kind of fun to sort of go in knowing common criticisms of it to be like what does what okay i i get what people don't like about it what does that actually look like in the book yeah it's like an interesting way to go about it i think yeah i never really like look at reviews Mm. for books beyond like has this got a higher average rating or lower average rating before i decide i'm going to pick it up but yeah it's actually a really good idea to be like okay like generally like how is this regarded because obviously I get writing is subjective a lot mm. of the time and like it is the struggle but you know there are objective things that we can all improve on and you know it, as you say it's quite helpful to know whether you agree or not and how yeah. that looks and whether you're like oh okay like yeah I can see it, yeah it's it, you know it's, it's a form of like understanding being an editor and being like what editors would be looking at and being like okay like self-editing and things like that yeah maybe i'll look up some reviews of lies of lock more and see what other people are saying yeah so speaking of should we get into the books that we've been looking at yes our homework, our homework. so <laughs> yeah we discovered as adults that we need to set homework to get things mm-hmm. done that's kind of what this podcast is but also on every one of these chapter episodes we basically set a little task and that can be anything from Uh, reading a certain book or trying a certain writing style, writing a certain time of day. And in this case with the first one, 
we aimed high. <laughs> too high. I will say too high. Lesson learned. But if you shoot for the moon, then you land in the stars. And that's what we've done. I mean, you're so right for that. Thank you. I have it, I have it on a cushion. Um, so originally, I think there's, there's hard evidence of us picking uh-huh. four categories. It somehow became a Powerpuff Girls challenge where we wanted to do... Mm-hmm. What we wanted to do is we wanted to reread books we knew we loved, whether they're yeah. the exact genre we want to write into completely miles away and just figure out what the secret source was and how we can mm. how we can take from that or just how we can learn from it yeah we yeah we then it then became a powerpuff girls <laughs> challenge where we were gonna do sugar spice everything nice and chemical x chemical x being yeah. like what is it about this book like mm, i love it yeah, um, I think I we, think we both ditched picked one of those. Yeah, because everything nice is kind of sugar. They're the exactly. same thing in a way. Sugar, spice. Because I don't know if you've tried to do it. I've tried to pick my sugar, my spice, and my chemical X to like feel thematic to that. I'm like, so like I've tried to do like my sugar book or something like sweet and nice and just like the the general stuff I want all the time. Mm. You know, I've done kind that. Of. I guess I've <laughs> interpreted it slightly differently. I, th- mm-hmm. I think. But yes, we've picked three books. I apologise yeah. if you're someone who has been, is, wants to do these along with us and did four and is like, what the hell? <laughs> I did four, well, but you are you've better, done better than, than us. Than us. Yeah. Overachiever, yeah. gold star, your teacher's favourite. Yeah, which you run so we say. can walk. That's <laughs> yeah, we can thank you. <laughs> But yes, we picked three. Yeah, so Cersei by Mala Miller was my sugar book. So what, one thing I, I feel like kept coming up for me with especially no with all three of my books but especially the first two i kept thinking oh sh- the voice that she writes in is just so confident she just knows mm. it's i'm just so and I, and I tried to pick up like what do i mean by that when i say yeah. it because i get that she seems to have like a masterful understanding of greek mythology and we talked a bit about her research process in our research episode it's extensive. I think I don't think mm. it came up in that, but I since found a quote of hers where she said, which makes this is gonna make you feel sick. This is gonna make you feel oh. sick on your shorts. Um one she says one percent of her research ends up in her book. <laughs> oh god. Disgusting. Just hate I hate Disgusting. it. Disgusting. Horrid. Yeah. Um which Grace. baffles me because it's like that oh what, what comes up in that. Um yeah. and I guess it does tie into that thing I was saying of having to understand something, how something's built to then take it apart and rebuild mm. it. Um, but yeah, this was the hardest one for me to pick apart what exactly makes it so good, other than the fact that it feels like a Greek myth. Like it doesn't feel like she has right. gone, I'm going to write Persephone as a New York uh, it girl. You know, <laughs> it's it's like, no, I love Greek mythology. I'm going to respect the source yeah. material. And as far as I know that Cersei isn't, I don't, I can't remember if she isn't an existing character in Greek mythology or she just is a scarcely written about one. I think it's the latter, right? That she's scarcely yeah. written about. And so she was like, what's her, what's her story? But it very much, it doesn't feel like she goes, I'm going to take this myth and and then this time the woman doesn't die and this is what happens. <laughs> it's still fucking mm. like, she goes through a lot. <laughs> she has a real yeah. rough time of it. And I guess it's just that, it's just her command of, the world and also the tone of voice that she needs to write in, which on reading it, on rereading some sections, I thought isn't how I want to approach um, writing myth. I don't want to write it in a super colloquial, casual tone of voice, but I also don't think I want to go as 
um, faithful to the style of the original myths as she has, maybe. Yeah. Cersei was the hardest one for me to be to figure out exactly what I liked about it until I thought maybe just what I like about it is it's just a Greek myth, like, through and through. <laughs> it's yeah. not... Um, yeah, like I said, like, oh, the girl doesn't die in this one. And, uh, you know, she wins over over Zeus this time. It's like, no, if 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 this person killed this person, she's sticking to it. And she's, there is tragedy and there is, um, there's just bad times, isn't it? <laughs> isn't there? Rough, <laughs> isn't, isn't just, it? Isn't it just a tough time for her? Yeah. Poor lass. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm starting with the one I found the hardest to pick apart. But maybe that's because... It's so watertight and it's also hard to pick apart something when I'm not a Greek scholar. I yeah. haven't studied um, any of this. So she writes and I'm like, yeah, I bet I bet that is what happened, mate. You're so right. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. Sounds it. Yeah. I, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Like she's, she's one of the, she's a salesman who can convince me of anything. Mm. She has sold me the pen. Um, <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street style. Like, Yeah. The Observer That's... called it an airy delight, which I think is like... It is an airy delight. Yeah. I think, again, I think that's a very good thing to get because, you know, like, it's helpful to look at your contemporaries of, you know, who it was, who else is writing myths and how are they doing it and being like, yeah, I really like the style, but actually I want to do it slightly differently is, is very helpful to have and being like, knowing that something can be good and knowing that you could do something else and it could also be really good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I read it and thought, I want to do something good in a different way. Thank you, Madeline. Yeah, because I probably nice. can't aim for the, the dizzying <laughs> heights that say. you have reached. <laughs> it's good to say that because, yeah, good luck to you if you're trying to like do the exact same as her because that's, yeah, yeah she's, she's, got, she's got a lot going on. Yeah, she, I mean, when, when you spend that much time studying and understanding mm. it, of course it's going to be good. Like, if anything, yeah. it's an easy win, is what I'm saying. I think she's the Nepo baby because she studied she studied Latin and Greek mythology and the classics and whatever else. Like, oh, she's kind of a Nepo baby. She's university Nepo baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's a Nepo baby for information. <laughs> Hello, fam. So my sugar book I went for is A Psalm for the Wild Bill. Oh, um, you that one? Yeah, oh, I, that I was having a tough time for it because I was like, I, I was like, there's obviously one book which is my spice book, which is very obvious for me to pick, mm-hmm. um, which is Six of Crows because I've talked about it so many times. It's an amazing heist book. I love it. But I was trying to think of like generally like what books have I really enjoyed from the last year? And Psalm for the Wild Bill was like one of my absolute favorites that I read, mm-hmm. um, and I love Becky Chambers. And I thought of doing the Wayfarers trilogy because, again, that's just a very character-driven sci-fi novel. Yes, yeah. But I thought I'd pick a Psalm for the Wild Bill because it's. I think it's quite easy for me to know what I enjoy about Wayfarers, whereas this is quite a bit of an enigma as a book mm. of being like, it's and quite polarizing. Like people I recommended it to either really love it or really, really don't like it. Yeah. So I thought it'd be really interesting to kind of dive into that a little bit and kind of be like, why do I really like it? Um, and one of the things I love is the world building is so good. Mm-hmm. And I love the way she has created such a rich, lively world, but without spending loads of time on it. Like it's a very short book. Um, both of them are, there's two of them. Um, for anyone that doesn't know god not enough of them Mm. (laughs) for anyone that doesn't know um, it got really popular because it was going around as like the cosy fantasy 
like vibes on TikTok, um, which I find really interesting having read it now because it's very much a book about like depression and not really knowing what the point of life is and like yeah why yeah it's one of those where cozy is kind of used as a very broad term for like there are very heartwarming moments and i guess it's got that slow pace that's not action heavy there's not like death and destruction and definitely and big uh sort of crescendos and the world is lovely yeah it's just it's an interesting one because like when i was thinking back and i was like oh yeah i don't know like if someone was like oh what's your cozy fantasy recommendation i don't know obviously you know like legends and lattes that Mm. kind of stuff i was was like i actually don't know if i would have recommended this for people because it is like it's sad at times because basically it's about someone that is like tries to like follow what they think their dream is and then like struggling being like i don't you know like yeah if i'm enjoying this as much as i thought and like is you know what's the point of doing anything like oh yeah that's another thing so like hope doesn't mean like fluff like you know like the positivity mm-hmm. and optimism is throughout it but it's 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 done in a way that's like not super like over the top and like super happy and stuff and it's like it's just like kind of gentle like meditative kind of like slowly working towards like a life that the protagonist wants yeah and again characterization is great like they meet a robot called Moscarp who is just so compelling and interesting and like I, I love a little companion in mm. a book like there's nothing and I like an odd like couple little... kind of companion yeah oh I love it mm. little, little buddy comedy situation <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the way you put it about um like that the book does have hope but it's not fluffy mm. I guess I think the book does a really good job at like I don't know I guess nihilism and and um optimism aren't like one one or the other like there is almost a there's almost a comfort in kind of accepting that that there isn't necessarily a point to everything Mm. or like what does this serve and why do you do this thing and why do you see things this way i don't know i guess i i agree it's not like a fluffy book there are some really lovely moments and their relationship's lovely and even though the world does seem to be built on devastation there is also like a beauty to it the the way mm. she describes some of the um uh like the the villages and the towns that they yeah is it dex is that the main character's name dex yeah, yeah that they go to and also just the, the like bring the drinks and things is just oh is just yeah nice. so many nice little moments but yeah i wouldn't see it as like oh it's just a lovely book where everything's happy all the time and yeah i think it's one that finds the beauty in the kind of quiet sad parts of life Mm. as well i guess that's why and it's also interesting really really short but one that people have told both of us is a bit slow and nothing happens yeah which is interesting because i like disagree (laughs) this is i yeah i had a like i had the big thing exactly the same when i recommended someone they were like just nothing's happening just not finding compelling and i was like that's so wild to me because i'm like there's just so much is happening but i guess again a lot of it is like quite introspective so Mm. it can feel kind of thing like not yeah as you said it's like kind of nihilistic in a lot of ways but like leaves it leaves you feeling really positive even though like there's a lot of like kind of sadness and like not everything's wrapped up i guess but like i i came away feeling like yeah i feel really good afterwards and it's like nice i think you can explore kind of those themes but still leave people really feeling positive Mm. um so for my spice book why did I consider this spice? I think I think a couple of reasons. One, it is in no way like the setting, the characters, the subject matters. Nothing about it is 
similar to what I'm writing, I guess. Mm. But it is one of my favorite books. And I think there is stuff I can take from it regardless. Um, it's called yeah. The Girls by Emma Klein. Mm, nice. it's, it's like a, it's a story about teenage girlhood, essentially, but it's told through what is kind of a retelling of the the Charles Manson story and the um yeah. the cult that he started it's very heavily inspired by that it's a girl who kind of gets swept up with another group of girls into what is essentially a cult and uh she's does bad things and it's her as an adult woman reflecting on that what i kind of took from it and why i picked it as my book is i mean two reasons one is it's really good at showing some really ugly thoughts. <laughs> um, mm, I think because it's, it's it's written from the perspective of a teenage girl and I can think of few times where I've had uglier thoughts about myself and the people around me than at that stage of my yeah. life, especially about myself. But well, actually, I guess a lot of the things you think about others is just a reflection on you anyway, whether that's True. being jealous that someone's been able to achieve a certain level of comfort within themselves and judging them for it because you aren't comfortable in that same way yeah. but she just writes ugliness so beautifully i guess and and if you like in doing a character study i guess it is about you know writing what they want and what they dream of and who they love and blah blah but also the horrible things that they might think about other people like she yeah. she thinks a lot of really horrible things about her mum like i don't think she respects her mum she kind of sees her as a little bit desperate and a little bit of a sad character who's kind of looking for love and she does view that with quite a venomous teenage girl perspective. Um, but it just makes it so much more relatable because you're like, oh, yeah. I wouldn't admit that. But not that I think the same things about my mum. I wouldn't admit having those sorts of thoughts, but I can totally see how she's gotten to that. And especially that, like seeing people trying too hard to get love and and, and respect and appreciation mm. stuff is kind of, especially as a teenager, like it seems kind of icky in a way. And she writes that so well, but also so uncomfortably. And I think the other thing, which is the main thing, is just she never writes, she would never call something like red if she could describe it in a more interesting and more poetic way. Interesting. So like even, I think it's really early on in the book, she's writing something about, this is quite an insignificant one, but she's writing about someone wiping makeup off their face. But she says something about them swiping at hazy crescents underneath their eyes. And you instantly think, oh, it's like smudged mascara. I understand what she's talking about. And it's just things like that where I'm like, I could call oh. it, she wipes mascara from her eyes. Or I could say that she dabs at hazy crescents of makeup or I, uh, it's, it's definitely hazy crescents. I can't remember what the full sentence is. Yeah. But it's just stuff like that, right? It, it's just a reminder that there's nothing wrong with saying she walked to the park and the grass was green. Mm. But it just reminds me to take a second and be like, how would I describe this in a maybe slightly less obvious way that still evokes the same feelings and if anything makes it stronger because she's not using the like most basic language to describe it. It's just her writing is my is my favorite. I haven't read her more recent book yet, The Guest, but it seems mm. like a similar vibe of a quite selfish woman doing very selfish things, but it's just very relatable in an in a quite an ugly but also really good way. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I think definitely, as you say, like having a character's ugly points just kind of generally makes them slightly more compelling. Like we don't, you know, like especially in like a novel where we're like we're getting quite intimate with a character and it's like very like personal kind of between, you know, just you personally and just the character on the page. Like 
you want to really know them and like mm. having someone that's like special and perfect kind of be like oh you know i can't relate to this and having someone ugly as you say is like quite freeing to be like yeah it, it's like you know when you're first trying to get to know someone and it's like some, sometimes the thing that really helps you bond with someone is saying like something you really hate or like really don't like and it's like this is a real test to be whether like you're gonna if we're gonna vibe or not and if someone's like oh yeah i also actually really don't like this thing and you can kind of have a moment where you like have a like it's almost like having a little like secretive moment of like oh i've shared something which i'm not very proud of but yeah that's actually quite helpful to get to know someone a little bit like trauma bonding what they talk about at work yeah. where it's like you get closer to people because they're like i actually really don't like our boss and like oh, i don't yeah. like our boss <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> can i kiss you i feel so much better now <laughs> but like yeah I, and also i think loving characters who don't ever put a foot wrong is quite like a hollow Mm. love I guess to have for them whereas loving a character because she's bruised and desperate to be respected and wants boys to love her but also sees it in other people and is like oh that's so embarrassing is just really relatable I put down a a a quote um, I won't read the whole thing because it's a bit long but she's talking about um, boys of her age and um, she says that Oh no, she's talking about desire and like boys and stuff. And she says um, something about trying to slur the rough, disappointing edges of boys into the shape of someone we could love, which I was like, mm. oh, that's so good. Rough, disappointing edges of boys. I just <laughs> love that as a. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> it's just so good. And I books like that, I feel like I need in my life just to remind me to not grasp for the most obvious choice of words. And again, yeah, I, I'm perfectly capable of loving books that don't. Um, stretch themselves too far linguistically. Um, mm. I, you know, we we both read Court of Thoughts and Roses. She's she, <laughs> had a great time. All the material's gossamer, and that's fine. <laughs> like you can just call it gossamer Everyone's every gobbling. time. <laughs> They're gobbling. They're gobbling and gossamer. <laughs> and I like. I still really enjoy those books. Yeah. But for me and what I want to write, I think I just love that reminder that it's like yeah, you could say this, or you could. Yeah. Sort of relax for a second think how else would I approach how else would I look at this mm. thing would I do I need to call it what it literally is or could I write around that in a way that it's just really pretty to read it's a reminder that prose is a craft at the mm. end of the day and like you can you know like you can really work at it and I keep adding detail and changing it and 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 describing things in a slightly different way is very can be very revealing about the character as well like it can be a way of like okay like how do they see this though it's like Mm. is it red or like you know is it like it's an attractive boy or like it's an annoying boy or whatever it's like no it's like i can see all his rough edges and i can see how i can change them and Mm. things like that it's revealing of like how they feel and it's like a reminder to be like okay like what can i what can i learn about my character what can i make the audience learn about my character through this yeah yeah reminder do better try harder yes (laughs) that's my spice (laughs) Sorry, sorry. See, I every time you talk about it, I'm like, God, I need to read it. I bought it as birthday presents for people, and they really enjoyed oh, really? it. And I still <laughs> haven't read it. Yeah. <laughs> so my spice, as I've alluded to, and will continually reference throughout forever, probably of this book, <laughs> is Six of Crows um, by Lee Bardugo. And yeah, it's just a really, really fun, compelling heist novel. It's also a duology, like the first one I picked. Um, 
it's just it's just a, it's just a great story with some great characters and i love it my main thing is always like things need to keep going wrong and like mm. a heist it's good when like you build up everything and then it all completely collapses and goes wrong and they all have to you know fix it again like i've you know you hear so much writing advice to be like let things go wrong let them go really wrong and like mm. your characters will kind of have to kind of escape out of it and like that is you know if a heist goes right it's not it's not compelling i was just thinking like no one's ever been like oh we nailed that like the plan played yeah. out exactly how we thought it would well done like, guys oh, that was that's the end <laughs> oh, it's a bit too easy <laughs> yeah they all high five and then at the end obviously the other main thing which i love is like so it's i think it's got six protagonists and it is third person but it does it from each of their perspectives mm. but because it's in such like a kind of tight-knit group and they're all always around each other pretty much especially to start with as like we gradually kind of build out the groups um it never feels confusing you never lose lose mm. it because the way it switches perspectives it'll be a scene with like you know like at least the two people and then it will be from that one person's perspective and then in the same scene it'll be the other person's perspective and then change kind of scenery it's like it kind of like changes it in the same scene and then moves on and like the kind of chain link between all of them is like in a scene where they're in together and then like switching the perspective and then going which i think is a really good way to kind of keep it not feeling like very overwhelming with all of these characters but mm. because it's like i can see them all in this room and we're just seeing each of their perspectives it doesn't feel overwhelming um which i really like quite quite filmic as well to yes swap and kind of like a game as well to let's swap between people mm. in that way yeah very yeah it's very like cinematic which i really like and like yeah definitely like has kind of a way of yeah it it, i feel it feels like a a movie which makes sense because it's like a heist thing and it it plays on a lot of the heist tropes of like you son of a bitch i'm in like it goes to all of those and stuff and like each of the roles people have are like the very specific roles like that you know and you have in a heist group you know you've got to have the i can't remember what the name of all of them are i was because i wrote i wrote it down the other day because i was watching oceans 11 and one of the guys is like the guy that can like be a contortionist like and go into stuff like the, yeah whatever the, they all mean the one who like disarms things and the the tech exactly guy or something. The, the big guy who's just strong like it has all different things like that and like um part of my research was like looking at what are all the different things in the heist movie like what are all the classic tropes and being like okay like what do my characters like what specific skill do they bring in mm. i just love it i just <laughs> So my chemical X, mm-hmm. it was the first one I thought of. I think I even said what it was going to be when we did yeah. our last episode. Is Piranesi by Susanna Clark because it it has like eluded me why I love it so much. Like I yeah. obviously I can't deny that it's it's well written, but outside of that, I'm like why why do I think of it so often? Why do I use it as like a benchmark of a fantastic book? And again, isn't doesn't have that many similarities between what I want to write and the characters and the story and anything like that. Also, I guess just a side note. So I read it. I read the book the first time. This time I did the audiobook because I wanted to mm. sort of get through it again, but on commutes and stuff. The audiobook is narrated by Chiwetel Ejiofor, who um, is the main guy from Twelve Years a Slave. And actually, do you know what? Do you know who we actually mm. who who he also is in love? Yeah. Actually. The woman that Kira Knightley marries, who gets absolutely screwed over by oh, his selfish friend, is him. The husband. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's the reference I know. He um, is so good. Like he, uh, oh. it's not often that I'm like 
the I feel bad saying this. It's not often that I'm that, that I feel like the audiobook narrator brings something. I'm more like just mm. checking that it's not a distracting voice that's going to take away from the book is all I want usually. Yeah. Like I, I'm fine with someone just reading it pretty straight. He he does act a little bit, um, but in a way that's not. It's not like the Chewatel show. It's still very much Piranesi, and yeah. he's just bringing. I just feel like he gets the source material, and it's <sighs> so good. Like I recommend, even if you've read okay. it just getting the audiobook because he's got a lovely voice and the way he um, just talks as Piranesi is just so... He doesn't really... I don't think he does voices at all. Mm. I guess because it's written first person from Piranesi's perspective. He very much... Right. Um, he doesn't do voices or anything. It It's just... It's, it's the first time where I've had an audiobook where I'm like, he makes... He levels this up so much. It's so good. So I just really recommend the Piranesi audiobook. But also... Yeah, I, I still find it tricky to put my finger on exactly what I like about it. <sighs> Something I struggle with a bit when I'm reading books is accurately picturing what's being described to me if it's quite an elaborate... Um, mm. Like, I can only think of a few instances where I really clearly visualised what was being told to me. I don't know if I just struggle to picture architecture and stuff. With Piranesi, I, I just have it in my head so clear to the point where right. I read that book... It's got to be like three years, two places that I was living ago. So a while ago, I yeah. can still picture what I think the halls look like and what I think the statues look like and the like yeah. winding staircase that has a little alcove underneath it. Like I can still picture all of that. I guess because she takes so much care and time because because he cares about the halls. Yeah. She writes like someone who cares about it and wants to give time to respecting it. And so I'm like, yes, I know exactly what these things look like. I think the other thing I think is really good about it is how perfectly paced it is to... N so it, obviously it's it's strange and from the start you're like, I yes. do not have a clue what's going on. It's a guy talking about... Um, I can't even remember what he talks about at the start. Just talking about the different statues and the halls and how much he thinks the house provides and the other... Mm. The other is the other guy? Um, just visiting him and it's just bizarre. But it's the tidbits are so perfectly placed of her bringing in real world names and things to make you go, uh, what? Yeah. Like quite early on, I think the other says something about Battersea, like the place, the, the place Battersea. Right, yeah. And he gets fixated on like, what is Battersea? I've never heard this word before. And and bits like that are so perfectly placed. Like at one point he gets new shoes and he gets them in a box, like an actual shoe shop box and he never questions like where, where have these shoes come from that the, this guy's given me. But you're questioning all this until the next one. And I just think it's so well paced. I think the voice is so clear. The fact that he is like a self-described scientist and writes about things in this very matter of fact way as to almost, I don't know, it's scientific but also childish in a way. Yeah. The way he's just like, I did this and I liked it and it was good and and now I'm going to do this thing and this thing pleases me. And it's, it is like, I can see both those things at play, the fact that he is almost born anew in the house, but is a scientist at the same time. Yeah. Oh, it's just so good. And I just, mm. it's, it's such a masterclass in pacing things so you're not ever like oh what is going on i'm getting a bit fed up now with this yeah. with the like unwrap like unravel quicker it i just think the minute you start to think i'm i'm very confused she'll drop in like oh he found crisp packets somewhere or mm. he heard about this other person walk walking through the house and um at no point am i like 
just sort it out, Susanna. Like, what? <laughs> just tell me. I'm, I'm sick of this. Because it just, is ugh. so weird. Like, mm-hmm. it's such a weird concept. You're like, yeah, there's this guy in this random huge house that has a sea in it that mm-hmm. flood all these halls and it's just like white marble and statues and stuff. It'd be like, okay, like, what am I reading? Like, it, I yeah. think it's, it'd be really hard to sell if, like, no one had ever heard of it and she didn't have any weight, like, as an author in something. Like, yeah. it'd be a very hard first novel to, like, get yeah. out there. <laughs> But like, as you say, yeah, it's just so compelling the entire way through. You never feel lost, even if you have like no idea what's going on there. It's like, it just takes a little bits to kind of ground you and maybe be like, ooh, no, I, I know this. Like, I can cling on to like a little life raft and be like, what is going on? Yeah. God, it's so weird and so good. Yes. And also I just can't ever knock. I always say this, same as like film and TV and stuff. If someone's taken a swing, even if it's a miss, I'm like, yeah. oh, you took a swing. I love tropes, but also someone creating a world that's so wholly their own in this mm. day and age when it feels like every thought has been had by by a million other people. Yeah. To, to go, I'm going to create <laughs> a guy in a house and he worships a house. But there's a strange man who can, who knows more than he's letting. It's just, mm, I just... I, it's just so good and I can't it's ever amazing. knock someone going I'm just gonna fucking go for it with this idea yeah that's so true yeah like just yeah as you said like it's a swing you know like mm. it is so odd it's it's a hard sell mm. and just and not caring about that and just going for something really strange but like, no I've got a really weird story to tell I'm mm. just gonna I'm gonna tell it yeah <laughs> why yeah. not we should we should do an exercise where we're like let's try and think of a really weird story to tell. I've, I, also, if someone said to you like, okay, bear with me, I've got a really weird story to tell. You'd be like, yes, <laughs> tell me more. Yes, I'm sitting comfortably. <laughs> I'd love to hear. Yeah. I, uh, also, the amount of confidence you must have to to see that through and be like, the mm. right people are going to get this. Like like I said, I think yeah. I said it when we were when we went to that uh, fantasy exhibition at the British Library. And some of Susanna Clark's sketches of the hall layout oh, so was cool. there. And there was a group of girls in front of us and one went, oh yeah, I've read it. It's just weird for the sake of being weird. I'm like, no, fine, this isn't for you. But <laughs> Su- Susanna has has her girls. The girl, Her girls have her back. The girls that get it, get it. Mm-hmm. And the girls that don't, don't. And, and that's so fine. Susanna doesn't want to hang out with you. So. Yeah, she likes the cool girls. They can't yeah. so cool and special and different. She's on a pick the, me. Pick me. I'm the literary pick me. Yeah, <laughs> I understand what you're trying to do here. Even if I can't I get put a finger on why it's my chemical X, but it just is. So for my chemical X, I've also gone with something weird, um, nice. which is Folk by Zoe Gilbert. Mm, um, so weird. It's, it's so strange, but um, <laughs> for some reason I thought you were saying that, like, it's so weird. Yeah, like. Oh no, it is weird. <laughs> it it is. Get, things get freaky. <laughs> like from the very first story, it's like, oh, this is strange. Like, just for a fun little spoiler to give you a, a setting for it. Um, it's basically like um loads of like folk stories, one after the other, but they all are around the same village and they follow characters and like mm. you kind of get clues into other people's lives and they're like gradually revealed through all these like interlinking stories. The first one is about like all of these like it's like a, a festival where all of the boys climb through this like oh, yeah, gorse. It's the, the maze. Oh, it's like a maze of like that. gorse bushes, like getting mm. cut and like bloody, trying to search for what are they trying to search for in the gorse bush? I can't remember. It's like whoever. It's like it's like a kind of like romantic thing, and it's like is it like can, an arrow shot into it, or is it? 
yeah it's something else. like that and it's like if you give it to the girl you love it's like meant to be a thing but then mm. like, they set their gorse bushes on fire after a while and so like some people just die because they can't get out mm. and it's like brutal and bloody and strange and it's like but so good and so compelling and like but also like really makes sense you're like yeah this is just this is that they would do that it doesn't it doesn't feel like why the fuck would they do this it's yeah. like like a lot of folklore it's like that kind of just it makes sense like it's it works. And I think one of the, the absolute best things about folk, and I, I recommend this book to so many people, is like these are, again, a bit like Pyrrhonessa, like all completely new, really weird, interesting tales, which is very, I think, quite hard to do when you're trying to like folklore. Most people yeah. just retell existing stories in new, interesting new ways. She has done completely original ones, as you know, as pretty much as far as I can tell. Obviously inspired, I'm sure. Mm. Um, but like they all just like, they just feel really like they make sense and like she's again she's swung and tried something and, mm. and it really worked you know at least for me um and i just i love it which is why i was like okay like why do i love this weird weird book um and again characters are very compelling like it is like the the gorse book bush one is like and yeah, just the characters are very compelling. You like gradually meet them and gradually get to know them and like understand this like weird village and kind of their relationships and how they kind of intertwine and things like that. And so obviously like you do end up getting a lot of different perspectives because it's kind of technically like lots of short stories, but um, it, yeah, it all just kind of works and you don't feel like pulled out of it at any point of being like, oh, well, I'm into this person's perspective now and into this yeah. person's like it all, because they interconnect so well, it like feels really compelling. It is an interesting way to do a collection of short stories to... Mm. It's, a, it's a collection of short stories with a through line. Of, yeah. Like a geographical through line, I guess. And I, they people do come into each other's ones as well, right? You'll see like a yeah, repeat character much. pop up. And also, I just love short stories because, you know, some, especially with with Zoe Gilbert's, like doing very elaborate folktales, some mm. will you'll like more than others, but then you get to move yeah. on to the next one and and find out a new concept that she's sort of playing out. And like I, I can think of a few off the top of my head that were my standout ones, and I think a few I might yeah. have sort of forgotten a little bit. Um, the the like kite one is obviously one of the main. I love the kite. Yeah, I always think of that one. Oh, she's just, and again incredible prose, like mm. so good. Like the writing is feels like very rhythmic as well, which is really. Mm. I think quite hard to do like it, it's all very poetic and again a bit like it feels like an oral tale kind of being told around a campfire and having that kind of song kind of like rhythm to it yeah. like it it definitely feels like she really captured that um just a good yarn yeah and like something that's obviously quite popular in fantasy books to do which I really love the idea it was like coming up with your own like fairy stories and like folk tales in mm. a fantasy world that like you reference and things like that you know like oh like your own and lore stuff. and things yeah so i was like because she doesn't i would I, I have like a whole pinterest board of images <laughs> that i'm like these are make me think of like fun little fairy stories that i could have in my fantasy world so yeah, yeah re, you know like re-looking at this was like okay and he's like I, I might like try and write those little stories even if i don't put them in the book and i can just reference them or like yeah because it's yeah you, yeah you don't want to force all of them in like heavy handedly but to yeah. have a, to have someone be like oh i grew up with the story of blah 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 the the fey witch or whatever and then exactly. have another couple of little tidbits of what that actually is, is it, it's just mm. it just makes it feel it's so nice. real and like padded yeah. out and 
And then you can release the, the short story about that. <gasps> oh my God, exactly. <laughs> because we're always getting ahead of ourselves. We're nothing oh, we if to. not ambitious with no actual follow through. So um, we're so ambitious, but two very lazy people. Yeah, it's, it's impressive how ambitious we are for people who do so little. <laughs> all the Setting time. ourselves so much more work and goals, despite the fact we haven't even done our first thing. Yeah. <laughs> for, for people who always look at how to get out of doing things we sure yeah. do we sure do sign up <laughs> for a lot of things <laughs> yeah god ain't that the truth yeah <laughs> ain't that just the way i guess we've got our next assignment is yeah next, next on our homework list. something more achievable <laughs> yeah i think in some ways i imagine it's gonna get a bit trickier the further mm. we get into the process because right now we're pretty aligned on where we're at yeah we're, we're still feeling things out and figuring out the plot and the characters and the mm. research and what what you know what uh, person we want to write in and stuff. But I think as it goes on, who who knows? But who knows? we're both writing stuff that's uh, we're both going to write things that are very character driven. Yeah. And so for this one, we thought we would take some time to dig into who those characters are a bit more. Um, this is a bit of an unconventional one because this. So we want to do a character questionnaire. Yeah. Um, I wrote down for three of our characters. Does that seem, does that actually seem achievable mm. to us, do we think, to, to fill this I out for so. three characters? Because I think we don't have to necessarily, because this is, the, the one we're going to link to is like 50 questions long. Mm. I think it's like one of those things where it's like picking out a few to start building out characters. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I still haven't decided how many characters I'm going to have, but mm. quite a few. So yeah, let's start with three. Yeah. And be like, see how we get on. So I guess we have do more, three do characters that we have in mind for our story, whether those are main characters or mm. like prominent side characters. Um, and we're going to fill out, which we'll link in the episode description, Ginny D's like D&D character questionnaire. Yeah. Um, we are both tabletop players um oh yeah i think we've, we've both used this right for our for actual yeah um, tabletop characters. so good and it's i think what is particularly good about it obviously it's great to know your character's motivations and what do they mm -hmm. want to achieve within the bounds of your story but this is more about padding them out in ways that you might not ever show in your book but to give you just yeah. such a whole a whole well-rounded understanding of who they are um so again, we'll link in the description, but some question examples were, what's the last nightmare you remember having? Do you believe oh, in destiny? Love. Are you a good cook? When was the last time you cried? Are you a good liar? Are you a morning person or a night owl? And I just think it's it, it's a very well-rounded questionnaire to get you thinking about your character from a lot of different angles. And again, you mm. may never, your character may never reference the last time they cried and they may never cook, yeah. but... It's not just about saying, yes, they are a good cook. It's like, why are they? Did someone teach them? And and what yeah. do they like to make? Or did are they a good cook because um, they want people to be impressed by them or because they show love by doing things for people? Like, it's that kind of vibe that yeah. I think we really want to dig into with our characters. Because I think even if, just from, this is just my opinion, I guess, it mm. seems like even if your plot is still a little bit loose, if you have a really tight understanding of who these people are they can kind of drive it forward for you i think yeah you'd you know how it, using a heist as an example i guess you know that this person maybe rushes into things too quickly because they want to impress mm. people and that could be the person who trips the wire that sets off the alarm that that 
causes things to yeah come come tumbling down and i think mm-hmm. yeah you might not go in going here's the point where things are going to go wrong but you're like oh i know for sure it's so and so that's going to be the one who <laughs> who just skipped oh, yeah. a step because it's going to be us we're the girls who, st- who yep. skipped the step because we want to get to the finished product and oopsie we, we raised the silent oh, alarm no. the dogs are coming <laughs> The hounds. the hounds have been released. <laughs> when I'm breaking into Mr. Burns's mansion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think just honestly, like, I just, it's, they're the kind of questions that as soon as you ask them, I'm like, I'm so inspired. And, mm. and they're much easier to answer than like, what is their motivation? I think it's quite, that's a very hard question to start with, but it's generally when like, you're writing novels, like, okay, like, what are the characters' motivations? It's the first question. It's like, oh God, I, I don't even know who they are yet. And I'm trying to decide their motivations. Whereas like, mm. if I build up this person and then throw them into a situation, then their motivations will kind of become clear. Like, yeah. you know, like we're used to using this character questionnaire to build RPG characters. And that is very much often you kind of come with this character who then just is like ready to be launched onto this ven- adventure and react to things that happen to them. And that's like, a much easier p- to perspective to land on than kind of like, okay, like I've got to like decide who they are and like step by step be like, what do they want? And so then, yeah, mm. I don't know. Also he- hearing you say it like that also makes me think mm. it's way more realistic to think like you wouldn't ask a real life person, what's your motivation? What's your end goal? Yeah. Like I can never answer the what's your, where do you see yourself in five years question in an interview? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm living, I'm living day by day. Yeah. I'm, I'm moment just, by I'm moment. I'm just grooving. I'm moving through. <laughs> but to ask what was the last nightmare you had and what do you fear the most? Yeah. And is money important to you? And, and what's, you know, those kinds of things. Of course, as a person, you would be able to answer that by yourself. You might not be able to answer what's what do you want most in the world and Mm. what's your goal and how would you react to this situation that hasn't actually happened to you because like again like yeah a character might necessarily not know what their motivation is like they Mm. you know like a lot of us aren't that aware of these things all the Mm. time and it's like i mean we had two people who really love doing like tarot readings and stuff and one of the reasons i love doing them more than anything is because it's like it's just such a good reflection for me to be like okay like why do i think this like what am i what are the cards saying to me and why do I think that's what the cards are saying to me and like what does that mean and like really reflecting on who I am and I think it's quite hard to know these things and like I think it's quite normal maybe for a character not to know those things so like building them first and then yeah like letting their motivations you know reveal feels more feels more normal I'm very excited to do this because I've been playing around with characters and I have not settled on who I want them to be and I keep mixing characters together and then mm. separating them and then blending them and deciding and i have things i like this is really cool i read this vibe this would be fun this would be cool in a heist whereas this i think will really help me start kind of you know forming these tangents into like actual things i can work with yeah i can imagine it could also be really useful let's say for example you your cast is five characters mm. if you did do that questionnaire for five people to see the similarities and go, these two might bond over the fact that they, yeah. they're they both terrible cooks and it's because no one ever took the time to teach them that and they have troubled relationships with their parents. And like, it might be nice to see where the match matches are and what they can build yeah, on. Yeah, that's fun. And like, and these questions are just like, they're just so inspiring. Like being mm. like, okay, like they're bad at cooking. It's like, okay, well now I want, I want a scene where like they're cooking and people are complaining about it. And it just, 
it just starts giving you those little downtime moments where you really get to know a character. It's like, let's do a scene around cooking. Let's do a scene around like talking yeah. about a dream, like a nightmare. Like it just, it's, it kind of just starts filling in the gaps for you in ways you're like, oh, this would be really cool. Oh, I love how they would think about this. Like it's, That's it's so nice true. to start filling in the little bits beyond the really kind of big story arcs that are the crux of the plot. Just, you know, they start filling in the in-betweens. Mm. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to... It's, mm. it's eating the broccoli, like we said. Yeah. Yes. This will help you eat your broccoli, Maddie. Open up. God, we're, <laughs> filling, we're covering them in delicious questionnaire cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're doing a little meow, meow <laughs> with the fork. <laughs> yeah. That's what this is. Questionnaire <laughs> cheese with a little airplane <laughs> delivery. <laughs> oh, we're such children. Yes. I have to... Things have to be a little game. Yeah. Have a little bit of frill to and... it, you know. Life is hard. We've got to make it as fun and enjoyable as possible. That's true. Motivate us. That's our motivations, not wanting to do stuff. Yeah. So we really had to fight that. Yeah. That is actually very true. (laughs) (laughs) And there we have it. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow and leave us a rating and review. You can follow us for more lazy bookish things on TikTok and Instagram under Lazy Girls Writing Club. Feel free to drop us a DM on there with any writing tips, exercises, or book recommendations. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in the next chapter.